You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 282. On the show today, I'm going to be chatting with Michael Oakley, and we did something a little different this time, because joining me for the Michael Oakley chat is Marco. We do like a uh, interview co-host thing, which uh, I've never done before, but honestly, I had a lot of fun doing it. So I figured also, since he was there for the interview, he might as well be here right now. So joining me is Marco. Yeah, I feel very special thanks for having me on again andy i i've featured a lot on your show lately it's bloody great yeah well you are a special man <laughs> thanks i like to think so <laughs> <laughs> yes anyways <laughs> all right so uh basically what we're gonna do today uh honestly the the chat that you and i had with michael is two hours long which is basically like the length of a full episode mm. so we're just gonna play a few tracks up front i know you had something you wanted to announce and and then that's what we're gonna do so we're just gonna listen to a few songs uh do the patrons i think i have a birthday to announce and we're gonna uh we're gonna just do it Sounds great, mate. All right, so uh, first up, let's get the, the show started here. As you all know, or maybe you don't, but you should, FM Attack just put out an album. When was this? Was this like last week or the week before? Yeah, it was last Friday. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. He just sent it to me because I messaged him like out of the blue. Mm. I'm so out of it. Like, I... Dude, I haven't even heard Betamaxes. Dude, when I, when I was doing Synthetic Sundays, I was so hard to keep up with... I, everybody, I relied on everybody sending me shit, otherwise, forget it. But anyway, so I had a quick chat with uh, FM Attack. He's a cool guy, and uh, and he sent this over to me, and uh, it's a great album. Obviously, FM Attack is awesome, so I want to listen to this track, which is, of course, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, the Kings of the Pattersons. We got Chris Dance. Chris, uh, what do I call him? Dance Magic Chris Dance, and uh, Robert D. Bishop Collecting Souls, and Mike Shima, my favorite hacker. You guys are awesome. Awesome. And uh, now listen to this. This is So Blue by FM Attack. Thank you. 
was FM Attack with the track So Blue. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Jose Arbello, the King of Hell, and Mike Erdahl, the Donation of the Beast plus 50, and Tim Carlton, the Golden Donor. Golden, <laughs> it's the 50th anniversary is the, is the gold anniversary, right? He's the Golden Donor. Well... <laughs> I'm trying to come up with nicknames for the people who donate lots of money, and I'm like, well, 50 is, like, golden, right? Isn't that, like, the golden anniversary? I, for some reason, golden boner. I, I, I heard golden oh, boner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't have a dirty mind, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's supposed to be the golden donor, but uh, if you're cool with it, Tim Carlton, you might just be the golden boner now. <laughs> we'll have to see. I don't want to make him feel like a silly person. But look, uh, I have uh, two... I got some letters to read here. So, speaking of uh, awesome patrons, I would like to point out that Whalen Kasky Geospatial has upgraded his support. <laughs> 
That's right. Waylon Caskey, Geospatial, is now in the 1988 Club, and he sent me a message here, and he says... Hi, Andy. Wanted to thank you for the awesome birthday shout-out you did back in March. Being a little busy with work and getting ready for a major promotion this summer. Hey, that's exciting news. Uh, been listening to your podcast while I've been training, which helps on the long ruck marches. What's a long ruck march? No, that's beyond me, mate. Hmm. I don't know. Sounds tough, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With this promotion, I wanted to up my donation. While I'm not a true corporate sponsor, I'll keep an eye out for an oil baron here in Texas to support you. Keep up the awesome work. You're a real cool guy. Thanks, Kyle. Well, thank you, <laughs> Waylon Caskey Geospatial. You are a cool guy. <laughs> He's a cool guy. <laughs> and if you want to help uh, Marco and I out, uh, tell me what the fuck a ruck march is. I'm going to Google it, mate. Ruck march. All right, I gotta see. Is this. that like a military thing? I don't know. Marching uh, in the ruck, ruck march army. You're right. It's a loaded march is a relatively fast march over distance carrying a load. Hmm. It is both a common military exercise and a civilian activity. A loaded march is known as a force foot march in the U.S. Army. There you go. And that's what a ruck march is. Yeah, twelve miles. The ruck march is a twelve mile foot march which must be completed on three hours or less with carrying a 50-pound backpack. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. 50 pounds? <laughs> Whoa, dude, he's one fit, tough bastard. Jesus. Actually, no, patron, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's fucking crazy. Wow. I'm thinking, what is the last long walk I did was when I got my first uh, shot, and then I walked... Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. I was worried about you. That was so stupid. Stupid. It was like the hottest day we have so far this year. I walked home in the sun. It was about 10K. About two kilometers into the walk, I stopped at a Wendy's and got two burgers and a wrap, and I didn't get a drink. And then I ate that, so I completely dehydrated myself, walked home in the sun, just had a fucking shot, and then I got home and was just like, man, I've got a crazy headache. I wonder if it's the fucking shot and not the stupid dehydration walk yeah. I put myself through. Fucking sunstroke and fucking exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, how about this? Let's, uh, let's listen. I have another letter to read, but how about we sure. listen to another song, mm -hmm. and then you've got something uh, you want to talk about, so we'll do that. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, this is a cool track from Young Empress. Uh, these guys are cool. They make cool music. Ooh. It's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend, and City Hunter, the coolest guy in town. And, of course, Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club. Hope you dig this. This is Young Empress with the track Home. I think I got away with it again. Close my mouth and spoke to you. Anyone but the one Close your 
Alright, and that was Home by Young Empress. Go check them out. I don't know if they have an album. They've got a bunch of singles, but I've played a few on the show. It's uh, really good stuff, and it was uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Cool people like Clint Dowling, a star apart. Hey, a star apart. Fucking Mass Effect Legendary Edition's out now, so go get it and make Florence play it. <laughs> or make her watch you play it. I'm convinced. I, I told Florence. I know Florence doesn't really play games that much, but uh, I feel like she would really like the Mass Effect universe, because it's like a blend of Star Wars and Star Trek. And Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, and of course, Alex Seligson, cool guy. Blake Peterson and Eurobeat intensifies. All right, and I'm back here with Marco, who's uh, joining me for a few songs before we talk to uh, Michael mm-hmm. Oakley. So, what is it that uh, you wanted to talk about? Well, I was just going to say that uh, that an awesome new album came out from Tron Lake. It's kind of a concept album, and um, basically uh, on Bandcamp it features. A full album, which is kind of like a cyberpunk metal type uh, synthwave album, but then it also features uh, track nine to eleven are the story parts, which features myself, Jazzy, and also even yourself, Andy, uh, special guest uh, voice work. Um, it features uh, audio story where we talk and there's cool sound effects and stuff, and then there's music interlaced in between. But basically, it's it's really good stuff. I wanted to play a song off it if possible, and I wanted to give some codes away for it for some of your lucky uh, Pattersons. All right, cool. So just to be clear, then, so it is it's both a musical album and a like radio drama kind of thing. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, if you get it on Bandcamp, I think on Spotify and other streaming platforms, it's just the music. But if you go to Bandcamp, uh, you can have, you know, if you just want the music, you don't want to listen to me, you're sick of hearing me talk, you know, you can just <laughs> listen to the awesome music. But if you want something different, you know, something cool to play in the background or whatever, there is a story part. And the story part will feature uh, audio dialogue from, like I said, myself, Andy, Jazzy, and a couple other characters. And then it's got music interlace. Like there's a high speed chase and then a really cool high tempo song comes on. It's, re- it's really done well. Um, Tron Lake's done a really good job with it. And um, we did put a lot of work into it to get it right, and um, it's pretty cool. It was a lot of fun doing, so we figured hopefully a few other people enjoy it. It'd be great, you know? So are you, like, the main character? I am, actually, yeah. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Jack. Nice. Jack Walker, the uh, triple O agent. Who does, uh, who does Jazzy play? Jazzy's the hacker, just known as the hacker. So she, like, work with you? Well, we meet oh, in... Is this spoilers? Yeah, actually, you're right. I shouldn't be saying anything. So, no, <laughs> if you want to find out the answer to that question, you're going to have to listen. All right, cool. So then uh, what we're going to do, Marco's got some codes, and so I'm going to open this up to some patrons, okay? So if you are a Beyond Synth patron and you want to uh, check it out, I've got three codes. we got three, right? Yeah, three codes, yep. All right, so we got three codes to give away. So if you want it, just send me a message on Patreon. You can just direct message me there, and I will give it to the first three people that message and say, I want to hear Marco and the Hacker. And you don't have to say any of this. It just <laughs> what, What's the album called? Uh, the album's actually called Under City Stories. Under City Stories. So just say, yeah. I would like a code for Under City Stories. And, uh, and I'll send you a code. Also, too, if you are a Beyond Synth PayPal, you can also send me a message, but I'm going to be reading them just in the order I see the notifications. <laughs> just in case. Sometimes my PayPals get mad at me because I'm like, it's like, I've, it's just because with Patreon, the whole interface is there, right? So it's a lot easier. And then, but sometimes I forget that, like, oh, yeah, like, 
I sent early access to like Andy's spaceship to the Patreons, but then mm. didn't send it to the PayPal's because I yeah, not Swan. Anyway, whatever. Look, <laughs> there's a lot going on. <laughs> there is. <laughs> it's, fucking, <laughs> it's really tough. Like, and I always I feel bad too. That's the worst part. I wish I just didn't care. It would make my life so much easier if I didn't give a shit. And like every time I fucked up and somebody's just like, hey man, how come you didn't do the thing? I'd be like, who gives a fuck, buddy? But yeah, it sucks, especially when you put a lot of effort into it and you just forget one little thing. And But it's a big thing for, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's well, like, dude, ah. but that's, that's all the time. Like, you, uh, you know, I put like so much work. It's the same with the Andy spaceship whenever I film it. Like all this work can go into it. And then all of a sudden I watch the footage and like there's a hair out of place on my head and that's just really distracting. I I'm saw like, that on your last one. You had, you had that, I don't know what was going on with your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least that one I caught before we started filming. So I'm like, <laughs> the worst is when I just, when I find surprises after I film. That's what oh. pisses me off is like when yeah. I think everything went well and then I go back and look at the footage and like, hey, I'm out of focus. Or like the camera got bumped and fucked everything up. And anyway, look. <laughs> the point is this: let's listen to a song from this uh, this uh, Undercity Stories album. So, what do you want to play? All right. Well, I was just going to say it's available at tronlake.bandcamp.com. It's also available at all the streaming platforms these days that people use. And the song I wanted to play off it is I'm going to play the title track. Welcome to the Undercity.
All right, and that was Welcome to the Undercity by Tronlek. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. We got Honeybeard, who uh, you can hear as the voice of Nibbles McIreland in the latest episode of Andy's Spaceship. Oh, is that who it was? I was wondering who that was. Because sometimes people, like, message me because they want to, mm. they were like, I want to be on the show and do a character, but the voices to me are so much funnier when people aren't necessarily doing characters. Doing a voice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah okay, yeah. so even though he is Irish, his voice isn't as extremely Irish mm. as uh, Nibbles is, <laughs> but he's still Irish that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and also... Other patrons in the $25 Club, Jimmy the Hutt, John Masari, Johnny Five, Kempson, Ken Giroux, and Mr. Magoo, Samurai. And uh, I got another letter here. Who is this? This is Big Baby D, a.k.a. Daryl. And uh, he was just messaging me to say when his birthday was so I can add it to the uh, the birthday shout-out list, which, uh, which I have done. And then he says, uh, while I have your attention... What is it that is said at the end of every show? So as you know, when the show ends, there's a little jingle that uh, Mike, a.k.a. Modern Knight, he sings the music. He sings the music. So he says, great, uh, great show. Thanks for all the entertainment while I drive around the country, Northern Ireland. <laughs> so, yeah, man. So uh, what Mike is saying is, thanks for listening. No more show today. Now shut up. The robot lady's got some things to say. <laughs> so those are the lyrics. Now shut up. The robot lady's got some things to say. So just in case other people were confused, like Big Baby D, <laughs> uh, that is the, the lyric. And uh, while we're here talking about birthdays, I have, I think I've got a birthday here. His birthday. Well... Good old patron cat punk. Happy birthday. Your birthday is May the 22nd. I hope you're having a lovely day. And uh, I hope you have a good birthday. Get yourself a big slice of cake. Uh, I don't know how old you are, but uh, maybe you need a bunch of candles. I'm assuming most of my listeners need a bunch of candles. Mm -hmm. They do. They do. You never know when you need them. That's true. And I'm assuming my demographic is also a bunch of really like... Old nostalgic nerds. What, they like candles? Well, and I'm just saying, no, but, well, birthday candles, right? Because they're going to need oh, a lot because yeah, yeah. they're old. Not true. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> yep. Sorry, I'm a bit are, slow today. Are, <laughs> that's where I was talking about candles and contingency if there's a, oh a thunderstorm and the power goes out. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we have them for, aren't they? <laughs> I'm so old now, I can't put that many candles on a fucking cake. I mean, yeah, I just do the one. It'd take me like 20 breasts to blow it out. I heard 20 breasts to blow it out is what I just heard. Breasts? Did you? Yeah, oh, okay. Well, I think candles are out now anyway with this COVID shit. You can't breathe on other people's cake. I mean, you know, who's going to eat it? <laughs> right? Isn't that just like a thing of the past now? That and shaking hands. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you might be right. Anyways, listen, Cat Punk, I hope you have a good day. Don't breathe on somebody else's cake. I'm sure it's okay to breathe on your own, so uh, I hope you do. That's a good excuse to eat your own cake. You don't have to share it with anybody. I've been waiting for an excuse like that for years. <laughs> I haven't been tested, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, pandemic. <laughs> you came through for me. All right, look. 
Uh, listen, let's listen to one more track and then uh, All right. and then we'll go uh, chat with Michael Oakley. And uh, this one's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Of course, there's Neverman in the $25 Club, Newmark, Restless Night, and Techno Ben, and of course, Forged in Neon with the 2049. Uh, of course, that Andy spaceship I was telling you about uh, we filmed was for Forged in Neon's first anniversary live stream. That's right. So you can go uh, watch my thing and go check Check out Forged in Neon. So this is one. I always feel weird when I play songs that aren't in English because I'm always concerned as to what the hell the lyrics are. But my understanding is this this song is uh, has a nice message. Okay, so this is a track called "And Framling's Mode." It's Swedish. Uh, it, it anyway. Look, the point is because I'm always worried. You know, when you when you play a song in another language and you never know. Like it sounds real nice, and then someone goes like, "You know, that song was about genocide or something," and then it's like, "Oh fuck," you know, because like you know, it sounded nice because I didn't know what they were saying. Yeah. But uh, according to this thing I've read, and Framling's mode is a. Is a is a nice song about uh, uh, fighting prejudice and and not judging people uh, when you don't know about them or whatever. I'm sorry, I'm reading like a thing that's like translated from Swedish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, look, it's uh it's by Candide and it's called En Fremling's Mode.
All right, and that was En Fremling's Mode by Candide, which I think translates in English to A Stranger's Courage, or the En Fremling's Mode part. But it's Swedish, so I'm sure I'm pronouncing that like shit. That, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, there's, uh, in the $20 Club, we got Chattawack. Fuck. <laughs> Chattawack. We got Chattawack with the 20, and we got Joshua Winter with the 20. They're both in the $20 Club. Of course, Whale and Caskey Geospatial with the 1988. Squirts Fizzlebottom with the 1986. <laughs> and in the 1985 Club, we got Rachel Buchelman and Sarah Buchelman, the Buchelman sisters. All right, so we are going to go to uh, our chat with Michael Oakley, but you said you wanted to say something. Oh, no, just, just you know, we're talking about the Andy Spaceship, you know, your, your awesome video show that you do. I, the other night, you know, I always put something on to sleep to, you know, um, I, I just do. I, I always have, like, podcasts and shit like that. And, no, yours came up as he just had uploaded it. It came up as a suggestion, so I put it on, and I'm listening. It was actually really good, you know, and I must have passed out right at the end or near the end. And then uh, Jazzy came to bed, like, you know, an hour later, and it must have just auto-played all of your shows. She came in and he goes, why are you sleeping to Andy? What are you doing? <laughs> I said, why? I thought it would switch to something else, but it must have just played all of your fucking... Anyway, it was pretty cool. It was good. It actually worked, so I slept like a baby. <laughs> that is a ringing endorsement. <laughs> your show puts me to sleep. <laughs> I find your voice very soothing. Let's just say that. Well, I think it's the, it's the spaceship noise, because I've basically... I've made a weird amalgamation of the sound the TARDIS makes in Doctor Who. It's it's sort of like this weird synth kind of droning noise, but there is something kind of peaceful about it. There is, and I wanted to talk about this last week when we spoke on the family show, but I always, you know, you get these ideas and you wait for your turn to speak and then it's gone. Mm. Have you seen all the YouTube shit now? You've got like Enterprise, Bridge, you know, sound effects. So you're like, you literally yeah, for got 10 hours? Yeah, I love listening yeah. to that to go to sleep, man. That's so good. Like, it's just, it's that soothing hum mm. and then, you know, like all the sounds of the spaceship. Anyway. Yep, that's exactly what I... Yeah, that's where I grabbed my TARDIS noise from. Yeah. Because, like, in Doctor Who, because the Doctor Who went through so many different eras, and so my favorite TARDIS noise is the one from the 80s, is the sound effect it makes in the 80s. Uh, it's a cool sound. Cool. And, uh, yeah, it makes me happy. Anyways, look. All right. Listen, we're, we are still going to be here, because we're going to go yes. chat with uh, Michael Oakley. Awesome. I've been looking forward to chatting to him for a while. Yeah, so let's uh, let's go do it. Let's go to our chat with Michael Oakley. Well, look, I am here right now with Michael Oakley, and uh, we are also joined by official interview co-host, I guess, uh, Marco Merrick. Yeah. That's right. Here we are again. Yeah. So we're here today to uh, obviously talk about the fact that you've just put out a new album. Is it out? Um, It depends when you air this. (laughs) (laughs) You you should have pre-told me this. We could have pretended. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, it's out, it's out May 14, so I guess it depends. Yes. You, you probably won't be out by then. This probably won't be uploaded by then anyway, right, Andy? So this will be after it. So it's it's come out a few days ago. Uh, yeah, it came out a few days ago. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, it's all good. How do you so, like the reception so far, mate? Uh, oh, it's been over overwhelming. <laughs> it's been overwhelming. <laughs> I, I like the the direction you've gone in. Uh, I guess we'll we'll talk about it though. So we'll mm. that's that's what today's show will be all about. We're just going to talk about music and nothing else. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've changed. <laughs> you have changed, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you uh, been up to? I think last time I talked to you was right around when lockdown first started. I feel like 
almost a year ago. Probably longer than that. Probably longer than that, yeah. I'm just trying to think. The last time I saw you was obviously Outland. That's the last time I saw you guys all together, all three of us. That's the last time we all saw each other. The last time I saw you, Andy, was, was when we had dinner with Betamax and Haley Stewart, Mecca Michael. Remember, we, remember we, we went out for dinner that night and Dana was there as well. Cool. Wait, but when did you do that performance thing with Parallels and uh, Nina? Oh, that was before the dinner thing that we went to, yeah. That was before that. That was a few months after Out- Outland. I still have your... Uh... <laughs> Your Miami Vice Blu-rays. I fucking know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I just don't. I, I just feel weird. I'm like, do I mail them back? Like you've had them that you, you've had them that long now that I really hope. I wish I wish that you are on season four, which is the worst season. <laughs> well, technically. <laughs> I, I end up starting way too many projects that I can't finish. And mm-hmm. so the whole premise was you lent me your Blu-rays because we were going to do like a video series where we reviewed Miami Vice. Mm. And I was taking notes, but I think I only watched like the first like six or seven episodes and I had like my notes and notepad and I, I was diligently doing that. And then I sort of forgot. And then it's been uh, like a year and a half. Well, it's funny. I, you know, I haven't had like a... A hankering to want to watch it again just yet so it's all good when i have that like you know that urge to want to watch them again you'll be hearing from my lawyer yeah well hopefully i'm what i'm i feel like this will time perfectly with we'll all be vaccinated mm. and then we can do a handoff in person instead of me having to fucking express post it to you because that's going to be like 15 bucks yeah they're quite heavy it's uh, it's the blu-ray set isn't it yeah the whole the whole series so uh, i'll meet you halfway i'll meet i'll meet you in hamilton yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wait you got the whole box set of all the seasons mm-hmm. jesus christ yeah. andy that's that's terrible yeah he let me the whole thing well because i was gonna watch the like whole one thing. season but it's the whole fucking lot yeah mm. and i enjoyed it i wonder actually where my fucking note i wrote my notes in my uh my ipad while i was uh you know what I want to get, actually? I saw the ad for this thing on Instagram. I'm, I'm one of these idiots who, when I get stuff advertised to me now, I'm like, oh, I'll research it. It's called the Remarkable 2, and it's like a pad, like an iPad for writing, but it's meant to feel like just like you're writing on paper. Mm-hmm. And it's like black and white. Because, you know, like even an iPad, if you use like the pen, it doesn't feel like you're writing on paper. It's like, you know, it's like too smooth and stuff. Nah, that's not good. Nah. And then it'll it'll transform your handwritten notes to typing. I don't know. That sounds to me like an underwater hairdryer or an inflatable <laughs> dartboard. I mean, it literally sounds absolutely shit. What's so weird? Like, I agree with your sentiment, but I still like writing on paper and taking notes more than I like typing. And like when I was watching. So do I. So do why yeah when i was watching the 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 miami vice and i'm like going back down to my ipad and like going into notepad and like trying to type out my notes and i'm like this i I would rather have a pen and paper Mm -hmm. but uh the point is that i i enjoyed what i saw i think my favorite episode well besides the the first two were obviously much stronger than like the few that followed and then episode six when he gets revenge against the guy who killed the one dude from episode one, he like goes to he like has to seduce the daughter or something. Yeah, and then the next episode he turns into a robot. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a good show though, because I had never really watched it as a kid even. So watching it again, I like it's nice. It's like cinematic, and it's got all the cheesy eighty stuff that you like, and the soundtrack's great. And uh, I think the thing I love the most about it is that my favorite movie of all time is Scarface. Oh, nice! Most of the actors that were in Scarface 
have been in Miami Vice and it was set in a lot of the same locations that you see in Scarface before they had to move the filming over to Los Angeles before they get run out of town. The Ocean Drive, all those locations, you, you, you see them there and like I say, all of the actors like for the, the most part are in that show in that first and second season. It's, it's incredible but that was what the, the show was based on. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is an urban myth or just one of those stories but apparently the guy NBC, who was head of the network, just wrote down Scarface MTV Cops, and that was what it was. They wanted it to be based on. They wanted the show to have that that same sort of uh, feel. The, the only thing I found distracting about the first six, the guy who plays his boss before he gets swapped out with, um, oh, yeah. his, has the most distracting hair. Yes. He's like balding, but it's still like the shape of hair on his head. Like, it's just the weirdest hair I've ever seen on, like, that's the 80s, though, like the age of the fucking comb over and shit. Well, it's when people still wouldn't go bald gracefully, isn't that? It's that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's, it's my favorite show. You know what I mean? It's, um, it's, it's just a magic about it. Certainly those first three seasons are amazing. Does he have the alligator for the whole show? Or is that a thing they drop after a while? Uh, they dropped it after a while. <laughs> Later on, they drop some of the more the more, the more more comedic elements when it becomes a, a lot more serious and darker. Do they write the alligator out or do they just not talk about it? Um, or is this a spoiler? I think he just gets mentioned a few times late, later on and oh, that's, yeah. that's it. They, they just sort of filtered him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that alligator's still alive. How long do alligators live? Good question. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Michael Oakley is the guest today. Yeah. Uh, we, we're <laughs> this is the alligator episode. Oh. <laughs> How about this? Let's play a song. 30 to 50 years, mate. What? <laughs> 30 to 50 years. I just Googled it. Alligators. 50? Oh, there you yeah, go. 30 to 50 years, the American alligator lives. Mm. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if that's an average or what the fuck that is, but uh, that's what comes up. You can't. You always trust Google. (laughs) (laughs) And now Google's going to start advertising to you like fucking alligator products. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen you like alligators, but I don't know what's an alligator product you can get now. I imagine you can't buy alligator Mm. skin things. Can't you? I see him around all the time. It's not a crime? It feels like a crime to me. It depends what animal. I think alligators are... Nobody really cares if an alligator dies, I think. <laughs> but, you know, say if it was a... Say if it was a mink or a freaking, you know, or something like that. Fucking mink. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What is that? I just love that word. What? <laughs> Mink. Mink. Um, all right. Well, this is a horrible setup, <laughs> but uh, obviously uh, Michael's new album is great. This was uh, my favorite song on the thing. This song is awesome. You sent me this in preview because you had a, a music video mm. uh, that you all that you uh, did for it. It's called "Is There Anybody Out There?" by Michael Oakley. Street. 
All right, and that was Michael Oakley with Is There Anybody Out There? And I'm here right now with Michael Oakley and Marco Merrick, and we're just uh, having a good time talking about alligators. Do you mind if I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, so now this is going to break up the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I do want you to ask permission every time. Before no, no, well, I don't want to like, change the subject. Oh, I, I would no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Go nuts. <laughs> I think the alligators have run their courses. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's just that you played the song, so now would be the time to ask yeah. about it. You know? <laughs> if, if, if I made a proper show, then yes, I agree with you. That <laughs> no, anyway. I just wanted to ask you, uh, Michael, because I know that John Campbell did the uh, edits mm. on the album version that you featured, and I know I'm um, being such a legend in the music scene. I'm just wondering how it came about that he did it for you, and um, I mean that's freaking awesome, you know? Yeah, John is like a legend legend in my country you know he's well known for being a, a big dance act with the time frequency and it, it's kind of mm. one of those weird sort of like woo sort of moments because when I was a kid you know one of the I think it was the very first cassette that I ever bought was the time frequency his his music and then later on years later when obviously Facebook and social media happened John came on social media and I messaged him I actually messaged him because I was kind of like frustrated because I hadn't had any press or you know anything in my country which had kind of I got a little bit disheartened by that so I reached out to him and I sort of said hey you know I'm a big fan um, I sent him some of my music and I said you know any any advice for me and he didn't reply obviously he didn't get the message and then about two years went by and then he randomly messaged me on Instagram and, and he said hey uh, I just got your message on Facebook and then I'm Back in my head, like, what the fuck did I say to him again? <laughs> oh no! And then he said, "Give me a call. Let's let's get a chat." And I phoned him, and we started talking. It was a completely, obviously, unrelated thing, but I sent him my version of the track. Just a little side note: my version of that song is the b-side it was the 90s mix that was my version so i sent him that and he said that this version's this is this version's good i think i'm going to do a mix for you <laughs> and, I, That's nuts. I, and i was like okay <laughs> if it was anybody else i'd be like i right okay i whatever fuck off <laughs> but <laughs> but because it was him i was like okay uh, i'm very much open to that when when someone like that says I'm going to do a mix for you. You take a big step back and you go, okay, I'm going to see where this goes. <laughs> Within a week, he sent me the track, right? It was all finished. Wow. No revisions. He literally, like, the version that he sent me to listen to was the version that literally the same file got put up as the version. Like, he'd, <laughs> he'd finished that whole thing. Wow. I didn't have any, like, suggestions for changes. But he <laughs> sent me it, and, and, and honestly, like, no word of a lie, I swear, his exact words were, your version sounds too much like me. My version sounds like you. <laughs> and, it, and it was one of those like moments, you know, you're like, okay. And I, I put it on. And from the first moment I heard that version of the, of the track, I was like, that's the right version. It's an interesting one because like as a musician, obviously you're trying to do your thing and, and let people hear what you do. But sometimes other people get involved in that and, and the translation of that, how, how that gets 
like into someone else's ears and how they interpret the song. It's all about how you connect with somebody and, and when they hear the song, you want to give that song the best chance of people listening to it and going, yes, this makes me feel good. This, I get it. I, I totally get what this is about. And his version, I think, does that yeah well I, I love the energy of this one like I feel with all of your releases there's always for me there's always this one awesome standout track that I just connect with right away mm. and when you were like sending over the tracks and I heard that I'm like oh this is fucking fantastic like it's it's so good and uh, the video was cool I almost feel a little bit like higher hands were moving the pieces around on that song because I mean maybe just to put you in the picture I had been working on that song for best part of a year on and off and it had started to kind of frustrate me a little bit I, I almost felt like my version of the song was a little bit too far removed from the sort of sound that people sort of have got to know with me. I know it was a big step away from my previous work, but that was in part a bit of a reaction because, as you know, I've been very, very vocal about how I'm frustrated with the lack of evolution in this in the synthwave scene frustrated at the lack of originality in the scene as, as well and and i think you know in part this album has been a bit of a reaction to that you know what i i definitely noticed and it's cool because i've talked about this to several artists who talk about you know wanting to make their sound like you know they're big into 80s but then every album they sort of try and make it move further and further you know towards like a 90s sound and stuff like this this is one of the first albums I've heard where someone's done that where I truly get it mm. like like just by listening to it your sound choices uh, even you know like the like the, the percussion samples and like the piano in the choruses and stuff where I go like oh this this feels to me like if Michael Oakley existed in the 80s yeah you know and like your first album's like you know 86 and then like 88 and then this one's like you know 91 or so you know what I mean like I, I do feel that yeah I think probably you know when you think about 80s music and 90s music in the 90s everything went digital and there was a complete rejection of 80s much to the detriment of a lot of 90s music because 90s music hasn't aged well it has a certain digital coldness on some of the recordings mm. and just a lot of the sounds like people abandoned analog sounds and went into more kind of rompler territory but you know when i think about 90s music in the sort of uh, traits that i would take i would still give it that 80s production techniques it's just i'm using some more kind of 90s sounds but giving them the kind of warmth and low end that was missing from actual 90s recordings yeah 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 if you know what i mean it's like people stopped using analog tape and people were recording on like digital adat hard drives and things and that's why you kind of lost that lovely gorgeous warmth on tape that you got from all those old 80s recordings on like 16 track Studer tapes and stuff so I'm still using those types of recording techniques because they're the best recording techniques using that type of processing and, and you, all you're doing is just giving those old sounds a new lease of life it's just quite ironic that the 80s and the 90s were side by side but the 90s was almost a complete kick everything 80s out we're done with this we you know we want long haired shitty indie guitar music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean it's like synthesizers are not cool unless it's dance music and obviously dance music was was fantastic was, you know I'm a big fan of stuff like Hadaway Euro dance music I find it quite it's quite ironic probably for me that when I think about 
about probably my biggest song, Rabbit in the Headlights. If you listen to that song, that is just Eurodance music dressed up in 80s sounds. I mean, like, if you really, like, I'm big into sort of trance music and that type of 90s music. It just kind of surprises me a little bit because when I hear Rabbit in the Headlights, I, I, I can hear all of those Eurodance influences. Yes. I guess that's the whole thing with Synthwave is like sometimes all these things get like muddled up in people's brains because I think like some of my favorite Synthwave tracks, I mean like Look Cassette's Tonight, for example, mm. is a full on like it's got like a trancey, you know, even though people talk about it, it's like, oh, it's like so 80s. It's like if you actually listen, it's sort of like a trance bass line. Absolutely. And, and all these things. But then it still has that vibe because of the the, the style of singing and, and stuff like mm. that. It's funny, actually, that you're talking about this because, well, Marco and, and obviously Florence. Lawrence and Mike, we just recorded a family show and we started this series where we're looking back at the 90s. The sentiment you just expressed is something that I felt for a long time. Like, and I always talk about the 90s in this way of, you know, saying I don't really like it too much and stuff like this, but I'm actually going on a journey of sort of discovery and actually going back and listening to all the songs that were on the billboard to see if I'm truly remembering the way I think I am. Mm. Because a lot of the times when I trash the 90s, I have a funny suspicion I'm actually trashing 1998 to 2004. When I think back, like I'm thinking like Smash Mouth and things like this, where I'm just like, oh, this crap. And then I'm like, wait a second, like that was 2002, you know? But I, in my head, it's 90s for some reason. Yeah, everything I dislike is 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's, there's a couple of things that you have to sort of the charts like actual chart music just went rapidly downhill from about 1993 onwards I was about to say that it really did if you're just mm-hmm. just looking at chart music then yeah I think there was a decline for sure yeah we're, we're, like, we're gonna get to that we, like the family show that we just recorded we just did the first half of 1990 I thought I was gonna go into it mm-hmm. and go oh fuck I hate all these songs but for the most part I've been mostly like indifferent and then I thought oh no, like, what if I applied the same thought to the 80s? Like, maybe I'll turn out I don't like the 80s as much as I think I do. And then I just look at one of the years in 1980 and look at the Billboard charts. I'm like, oh, never mind. Like, there's so many songs on these charts that I love. Like, so it, it clearly is very different. I guess as well, though, you have to sort of weigh in the albums that came out in 1990. 91 and maybe even for the most part 92 are still 80s albums yeah they were probably recorded and just, and the demos were all started in the 80s and people didn't just immediately abandon you know production techniques they were filtered out slowly that's why i think you start to see that decline very badly after 92 93 when it when it all went digital yeah i can hear it in the quality of the recordings you can you can hear that the low end of the recordings it sort of is very thin and brittle and if it does have a bass end it's got a very kind of like when you turn up the bass end in your car stereo sort of uh, superficial bass it's not that nice warm low end type of analog bass sort of sound that you get sure a lot of things changed obviously guitar music came back in vogue very much this the, the 90s also was for me the start of of retro because towards the late 80s and early 90s that was when that whole 60s revival thing came back in and then towards the end of the 90s you saw a bit of that 70s revival come into play and then the first 80s revival came 
in the kind of mid 2000s with like bands like the Killers, the Bravery, all that type of stuff. But it wasn't like a real 80s revival. It was just some dork that picked up a synthesizer and thought, yeah, man, I'll fling in some 80s sounds in this uh, guitar band thing I'm doing yeah. here. <laughs> and it wasn't really authentic. It was hipstery sort of retro. Yeah. You had a lot of 90s music, like dance music that was mm. redoing 80s songs too, mm-hmm. pop songs and stuff. Yeah. That had the same vocals or the same melodies, but it was just a new, so there was a lot of that going on too. And I, you know, I liked a lot of that too. That's actually a great point because a lot of my mm. favorite mm. dance songs, when I didn't know they were 80s songs, because I wasn't like super well researched. Mm. So like, you know, in the mid, in the mid 90s and stuff, when I was listening to dance music and every time they'd be like oh I dig this fucking track forever young you know this awesome dance song and it was till like years <laughs> later that I'm like oh it's an 80s thing and it turned out I think all of my favorite dance songs were actually just yeah <laughs> remakes of <laughs> 80s music well there were remakes but then there were also just literally ripping hooks out of songs like Gary Newman right. I mean think about that track Capella you got to know that's a rip out of a how do you say it Swissy and the Banshees like that's literally taken mm. from one of their tracks you know rip off of like hooks out of uh, Trans X, Ultravox, yep, and just repackaged. I mean, there was a band U ninety six and uh, literally ripped the hook from Fade to Grey by Visage. It was just like they literally <laughs> shamelessly like stole these hooks. Um, listen, before we keep talking, we should probably listen to another song. Yes. Um. So let's do uh, let's do Queen of Hearts. Nice by Michael Oakley.
Midnight, and that was Queen of Hearts by Michael Oakley. And I'm here with Michael Oakley right now, and joining me as a co-anchor is uh, Marco Merrick. That's right. Hey, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to be here. (laughs) So what's new, man? What have you been doing? I'm just playing a shitload of video games, mate. Nice. A shitload of video games. it's real hot here today, and like this is the first, like it's real humid. I don't know if it's hot up there with you guys, but we haven't put our air conditioners in yet, so I'm fucking sweating my ass off up here. Really? It rained today here. We got rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. Lucky you. It's bloody humid as hell here. Um, I was going to do some shit outside, because, you know, with everything's growing so fast this time of year, and it's a lot of work to do outside. I was going to do it today, but then I just changed my mind. I'll do it tomorrow. Well, if it's a hot day, just do it in your underwear, man. Classic Marco style. <laughs> yeah, and I'll film it just for you, yeah. mate. <laughs> Actually, not so, you know what I like. <laughs> I still get people saying that, man. When are you going to film the next video in your jocks? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I just, oh, dude, I'm a bit past that now. It's uh, yeah, the novelty <laughs> kind of wore off, you know. The synthwave scene is an interesting scene. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, one thing, though, Michael, in, in the UK, right, Did you? how do you do the dates? Because this is something I just want to ask you, because I'm having a lot of trouble with putting... The month first, then the day, and then the year. I'm used to doing the day, the month, the year. Did you have to fucking get used to that shit or what? Yeah, yeah, I had to get used to that. Yeah, you put the month first and the, the, then the oh, day. Oh, it's a fucking it's pain weird. in the ass. Your whole life, you're used to doing it, and every time I have to stop and think. Like, still now, I'm still not used to it after, like, three years here. You know, the, the Fahrenheit thing, I got used to. Yeah. But the, the, the date, nah, it's it's really, I do it wrong it's all so the fucking stupid. time. It's just so stupid. I know. Why won't you just put the day, day month, year in order exactly i don't even know the official way fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> well is canada the same as america right canada canada the same as usa isn't it the is it? month day year mm-hmm. let me see correct? yeah that's yeah. correct yeah. i'll grab a receipt i just i had to well, i know you're right near the border anyway there uh, <laughs> michael so well on this receipt it's uh what month are we in january february march april may may it's written year month day on this receipt <gasps> what from Canada Post. <gasps> Year, month, day. Well, that's good. I mean, at least that's in reverse order. That's easy to work with, you know? Yeah, see, that's the way I do it when I label files in my computer, because then if you hit sort, you get them in the right order. Our guest today is Michael Oakley. Uh, we're <laughs> <laughs> talking about I, I think the biggest thing, obviously, for me getting used to was, was driving uh, on the right yeah. side rather than driving on the left. Yeah, there's been a couple of times I've gone for a drive at night and I'm on the wrong side and then I see a car coming at the lights and I'm like, wait a sec, something's not right here. And I'm like, oh, shit, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been lucky. It's not just that you're driving on the right. You're driving on the right, but you're sitting in the left-hand side of yes, the car. Yes, that's the hard part. Yeah. You're not used to where your car yeah. is. And I, I know. It's hard to explain to people unless you've tried the opposite. Yeah. Because it is. Your perception of where you are in the car and with the lanes and everything. I used to find I'm driving on the fucking lane all the time, yeah. you know? So I had to keep correcting myself. Now I'm all right, but... Same with, same with the gear stick. You know, if you're if you're driving a yeah. manual stick shift car and you then switch to using your right hand as opposed to when you get, you've, you're used to sitting on the right and using your left hand for, for gear change and switching. When I went to Barbados when I was young, not that the story has to take place in Barbados, but just because they drive on the other side of the road. And this fucking car comes going down so fast, but uh, the guy had a dog in the passenger seat, like a big dog. Right. And since I'm so used to, obviously, you know, the driver being on the one side, I swear to cry, like, I thought the dog was driving for real. And I've never fucking, like, laughed so hard in my life. Because <laughs> like, in my this head, like, dog. literally, I'm just like, like, the fucking dog is driving? Like, I was so blown away until I 
put it together. That moment of truly believing the dog was driving was one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Michael, what about when you're trying to for freaking indicate and always hit the fucking wiper? Oh yeah, <laughs> the opposite. I don't know if that's the same for you. Oh my god! Yeah, that, Every that time. was that was that was hard work as well. Just the whole thing, <laughs> absolutely. Even stupid things, you know, like obviously over here, the back of the car is called the trunk. Oh, dude, I know it's a boot for Christ's sake. It's the boot. It's the boot. Yeah, I'm the same <laughs> with you. It's the boot. You know, it's, the, it's boot. the boot. And what about the hood or the we call it the bonnet? That's probably different. It's the bonnet. <laughs> Yeah, we call the bonnet, bonnet, and everyone here is like the the hood, the bonnet. What the fuck's a bonnet? I'm like, no, I'm, well, you know, the bonnet. They go, you mean the hood? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nice that you guys can bond over something other than your fucking Facebook addictions. <laughs> You're missing out on a lot of fun. Man, oh yeah. I'm high strung enough as it is. Like I feel like Facebook literally just adds so much extra stress, and and uh, it frustrates me. So I, I had to go. No, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, after a while, if it's just stressing, yeah, you know, you get that much enjoyment out of it. Then, then what's the freaking point? If I'm being honest, I actually the more I think about it, and I have thought about it, but I still do it because it's a habit. I wake up in the morning, I put on my iPad, and then I just sit. Bleary-eyed scrolling, and you're just mindlessly scrolling, and you're not even yeah. you're not even really taking in the information. It's you're literally just scrolling. Oh yeah, there's someone I know having fun. Like, <laughs> and most of the time when people write, "Hey, this is what I'm doing," you're just like, "Oh, it's just easier if I just like it and scroll on. I just can't be bothered reading it." Yeah, <laughs> just or it's adverts. Not, I don't mean like real adverts. I just mean it's like people just literally like advertising whatever mm. they're doing, and it's just like. I don't know, I just, uh, it, it does make me uncomfortable more and more and more. It makes me also feel mm. that I'm really bad at promotion because everybody else, I mean, like artists in the synthwave scene, there's so many people who like, there'll be like 80 promotion things to promote a thing that's coming up. Oh God. You know, where it's just like, oh, but in two days, this big thing happens and oh, don't save the date. And like, I barely post like one Instagram a week if I remember to do it. I'm like, oh fuck, I should probably tell people like, you know what really works for your show though? If you make an announcement about an announcement for the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It really works. <laughs> yeah. Announcement everybody. This is an announcement to let you know on Tuesday, I will be making an announcement. It makes me feel like i'm like am i doing something wrong here because like i literally put out the podcast and then i realized two days later like oh fuck i never even posted about it <laughs> you know like i just like to do it just to make sure the artists are tagged and they know like their songs were played and like that's how bad i am at this fucking thing well i don't want to name any names but i do see a lot of mishandled marketing we'll call it by various like people in the scene and they literally just like post every couple of days oh my god 10 days to go oh my god <laughs> 9 days to go oh my god 8 days and it's just but the thing is they don't I don't think they quite appreciate that look at the post engagement there's less and less post engagement I mean I'm not a marketing expert but I, I think when you do a teaser or, or something you have to give someone some information that gives them something to chew on to make them excited so if, if, if you're going to post again and it's another teaser you have to give them more mm -hmm. 
in order to satisfy the desire to want to keep continually coming back to see what it is. I, th- I think if you post any more than twice, teasing or uh, whatever, announcing something that's coming up before the announcement, I think it's just diminished returns. I mean, you're, you're it's anticlimactic. You're, you're not really giving anybody any new information. It's just repeatedly spamming them for attention. That's, that's kind of what it is, you know what I mean? And then you, by the time you're at the end of it, you've got four likes when, it, when in the beginning you had maybe a hundred odd likes and it's just like, look, no one fucking cares. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just re- just release the fucking thing. <laughs> it's always going to be slightly anticlimactic, anyways. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, what is the announcement going to be that's going to like knock my socks off? You know? And- well, exactly. Um, I-, I honestly don't think I see many people doing it right. I'm a very much a less is more kind of guy. I actually hate social media. Like, I love making music and I love the whole process of making an album and, and releasing it. But all of like the keeping on top of posting stuff and I find it like I dread it almost. <laughs> Apart from like when I tell a story about what the song's about that's interesting because I, I have to dig deep and find a way to try and tell this in a way which whoever reads it you know maybe sees a side of the song that the an insight into the song maybe that they wouldn't have had it's funny um jonathan bell he's the guy that does like the superman cosplay um really nice guy he's he's posted a few of of my tracks and and he did one of those listening video things and he it was funny i was laughing because i was watching it today and he, he, he said yeah michael said the line about vampires so it got me thinking about is this, about, is this song about vampires? <laughs> is this song about fucking vampires? <laughs> just like, well, okay, well, you know, that's just music's always someone's interpretation of whatever they hear and however they like internalize it. You know, like a book, it's mm-hmm. like you, you read a book and whoever I think the character is in the book is going to be completely different to how you see the character. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always find that fun, though. Like, there is a fun sort of thing as an audience. I know, like, Dallas Campbell makes cool music, and it's got this sort of, like, 70s vibe, and mm-hmm. I remember um, one of his albums, I listened to the whole thing, and I'm like, dude, like, I'm picturing, like, some 70s gritty cop thriller thing, you know, this big giant 70s car, like, driving down an alleyway, and, and then, like, he's like, oh, it's like a science fiction album. Like, in his head, it was science fiction and to me i was like this is a fucking gritty cop thing and it was Mm. it's just so cool how like music can have that effect on on the imagination yeah i i i've always found that fascinating about even just songwriting in general like when when you're telling a story it's funny because you know when i put that story out there it it then becomes a multitude of other people's stories I, i guess you could say i probably write a little bit from personal experience but then my writing style is conversational as well and um, I leave it a little bit ambiguously open for other people to have their their interpretation of what they want it to be about yeah 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 well listen we, do, we just talked for too long there without listening to a song so how about we listen to the Glasgow song awesome or just Glasgow song I don't know why I just added the oh, this is there. my favourite song on the album for sure I love this one nice let's check it out man this is Glasgow song by Michael Oakley Featuring, who's it featuring? Dana Jean Phoenix, of course. Hidden home 
All right, and that was Glasgow Song by Michael Oakley with Dana G and Phoenix, a lovely duet. And I'm here right now with Michael Oakley, and I am duetting this interview with Marco Merrick. Does that make sense, what I just said? Not really, but I'll go with it. Just a nice pun, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Yeah, man, so uh, talk to me about this one, because you guys uh, filmed the video as well. Yeah, Glasgow Song, we did both of those videos in three days. So we did the Is There Anybody Out There video on the Sunday and that was in Toronto at Neon Demon Studios and then drove home at night. I was exhausted, like not physically exhausted, just mentally exhausted. And I was just, I went home. I couldn't string any conversation together. I was just like, look, I'm going to go to bed. We've got a long a long day tomorrow and I literally just crashed fell asleep and woke up you know like about 10 o'clock in the morning and, and then got up and we, we we were literally going within the hour to drive over to uh, to meet Dana Jean Phoenix and go and do the filming with her so Jesus. I would probably say out of all of the songs on the album that one is probably my favourite I think because it's very personal so and it's about vampires right? <laughs> it's about vampires <laughs> so we uh, I, I I think that that song is for sure my favourite. You know, I love where I come from. I love my hometown of Glasgow. Um, home is where the heart is and, and all of that. And yet I do think that for most people, if you've ever left, there is a certain frustration, I think, that you have from where you come from. I truly believe that if you're someone who leaves and goes away for a while, you, you get that chance to step outside of your life and kind of look at it from a kind of more objective perspective, which mm. you can't do if you're just always living there. And, and when I left, first of all, when I went over to Los Angeles for a few months and stayed there and I was working on California album, like by the time I went home, I had completely changed. I just, I, it was like I couldn't go back to that old life. And I think that sometimes as well, when you live in small town, you know, you, you encounter small town mentality. And, and for a lot of people that stops, it stops you from growing and being the best version of yourself you can ever be. And you just always end up stuck doing the same thing and never ever like taking risks or um, I don't know, just chasing that thing that, that makes you feel excited. I can definitely relate to that, mate. Absolutely. And if you do want to change, like make some real changes about yourself or whatever, it's difficult when you've got your family and friends there all the time because I don't know what it is, like, not to make excuses, but they're kind of used to you being that way and you kind of feel like you have to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you do move somewhere else, it really is a fresh start in a lot of ways. You, you can kind of go, all right. I'm going to start doing this or I want to make these habit changes or whatever it is. Yeah, they, it's funny because like they, they mean well, family and friends mm. and, and whatnot. But when you when you change so drastically, they unwittingly try to like pull you back mm. down to being that they version. Do, yeah. they're, they're comfortable with you being. Um, it makes them a little uncomfortable, I think. Yeah, and they'll make little jokes or even just little jokes, you know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's... Uh-huh. And, and it kind of does drag you back. It does, you know. Yeah. It's funny because, like, even on a smaller level, like, I, I remember when I left home for the first time and I moved out and moved in with the girlfriend that I had at the time and, and it wasn't until I had left and then went back. I felt differently when I went back to my parents' house. Like, it was funny because I was no longer living under their roof and their rules and it was like I'm just still Michael who went to school and I'm their little boy when I left and moved out and had moved out for quite a few months and then 
came back home, it was a different feeling. I almost felt like I had wiped the slate clean because it was like I was, I was walking into that house as an adult that was self-sufficient, responsible, and and they saw me differently. And because of that, I acted differently. Mm. So it's kind of like on a on a smaller level, I guess. But yeah, when I when I came back from Los Angeles, and you know, I, I had met my wife Linda, and that was the big pull for me to come over here. I just felt literally so different. I was like, I, I just can't stay here anymore. Like, this is not me. This is just not me. Also, too, it's it's not just family. It's also friends. Mm-hmm. And that can be like, that's almost the trickier one. Friends is even worse. Yeah. yeah, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Especially if you've made a positive change in your life where you, you, you recognize that you're a better person, but you might still have people in your life that want you to kind of be the old person you were. Mm-hmm. And then you have to sort of like fight against that. And so that, that's some stuff that like I've experienced. Yeah. Well, it's about growth, isn't it? I mean, I think sometimes as well, that uncomfortableness that they feel is because when you make a big like I'm chasing my dream I'm going to do this it makes them feel like oh my god there's an insecurity that it's triggered in those people and it's like they're like oh my god what am I doing with my life I've just been you know I'm not chasing my dream and, and, and it's like this buried insecurity they have that they've, they, they sort of like feel very unsettled by you know what I mean when you become a parent like most of my close friends I grew up with uh, aren't parents mm. and the thing is like I'm still the same guy but I feel like sometimes they treat me differently it's almost like the cliche of like well he's not going to want to do this because he's got to take care of his kids or whatever you know and I'm still going like no I still want to he's not fun anymore because he's got kids he's a dad or something crap like that yeah right I know you get a lot of that especially like in the early yeah. days too like when you when you first have kids and it's just very tiring and stuff but there's still part of you that goes like no like I want to go I want to go get a drink you know what I mean like I need to get out of here because I'm fucking like wiping up shit and stuff you know like I want to <laughs> have a good shit. time but then <laughs> wiping bums yeah but then people will, will treat you differently because <laughs> they feel like they have to. Yeah, you've been wiping shit all day. You're different now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the irony is all of my old friends are janitors, and they still couldn't empathize with me. That's actually hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> They're cleaning up shit all day as well. It's like, it's the same thing, man. Yeah. Just they use a broom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I used a broom, too. <laughs> I was never good at it. I just... <laughs> What's what's the plan then? Because obviously we're still in fucking COVID time. So, I mean, I guess there's no plan to do any touring right now. There is not any plans for, for a tour, no. But I, I have just put into motion a live show that I'm going to pre-record. Sort of like Ollie Ride's show that he had done. So it's going to be very, very fancy. Book a nice uh, venue. We're going to decorate it up to make it look very, very cool. Um, Brad Canan is going to come over and film it just as a way of offsetting the fact that I can't do a tour. And it means that everybody can watch it because it would it would be like a ticketed event online as well. So I'm, I'm organising that right now. So I should be filming that in July. Do you still have the same uh, band? Yes, I do. Actually, I was talking to one of them today about that just to get that all happening so yeah i'm very excited actually about that because i feel like when you do a live show it's um you know you walk on stage and what happens on stage is forever more what happens whereas when you pre-record a, a show um you, you've got a little bit more license to have multiple cameras to sort of choreograph certain things a little bit more i mean it's still live it's, it's genuinely a real life performance but it's just you're not playing to a crowd yeah so you're you're therefore playing to the camera 
I guess, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think that's what people would prefer to see. I know there's lots of people doing online shows now, and like, I'll watch them, and there's something that's like... Most of them are absolutely shit. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) Most of the ones that are, like, put on is some dude in their bedroom, and it's like, they've put up, like, last year's Christmas lights in the background, (laughs) and it's like, dude, this is, like, so low rent. Yeah, also, well, there's nothing dynamic. I mean, that's the thing, right? When it's just, like, one locked-off camera of a guy at a keyboard... It's tricky to be excited. Like, I, I still see people being very enthusiastic in the comment sections and stuff like that, but I think it's mostly just out of people just really want to support uh, the artist. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can see that, yeah. But at the same time, it is nice when people elevate the game and operate at the highest level they can. So, like, Ollie's show was good, well-produced thing. Mm. I like to see people operating at the top of their game. I like to see people sort of pushing. So if we can't do a performance, what's the next best thing you can do? And if you are going to, like, pre-record and, like, film a thing, you might as well take advantage of all the things you can take advantage of, right? I mean, you want it to look good to watch. I mean, for, for a start, I feel like Ollie's show set a whole new benchmark as well because we've never had those types of production values in the scene before. I agree with that. Um, yeah. for, for a live show. I mean, that was literally yeah. made for TV. You, you could see that clips from that played on something like Jimmy Kimmel or Letterman or something and it it would not look out of place. It just looked fantastic. It was a really high quality production with a good budget obviously put in place to hire a venue and to have the right choreograph and I appreciate that neon cunt face 84 that's in his bedroom with his mum downstairs isn't obviously going to be able to to do much. Do you know what I mean? I appreciate that. You know, the I, I, I also I also appreciate you weren't expecting that, so I'll give you a moment. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna mute my mic for a little bit. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! I'm not familiar with that artist. <laughs> oh, really? I don't I don't think he's in the Beyond Synth database. I'll go oh. check. Oh, I, I can't believe you've never heard oh, them. They've got zero Jesus. plays in Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think he, here's the thing, right? You you did an episode a while back. I remember listening to it. it was the episode you did with Scandroid. He actually made a very very good point is that it doesn't cost much to just buy a black sheet for the live shows. You know, most live venues have, you know, like a projector. So how hard is it to get together some video footage, put it on a USB stick and just make your show a little bit more interesting? You know, you don't have to get a t-shirt cannon and shoot it at people watching you know what I mean you yeah. don't you don't have to have a strobe lights although a strobe light costs what 30 bucks from Amazon you know you you can make the best of what you have and and kind of make it a little bit more interesting just standing there hitting space bar on your laptop and you know to be quite honest because I know like Scandroid gets some slack but like that particular conversation about the live show thing was one that I still like tell people as well. It was a very valid point because I think it's that whole thing, you know, if you want to stand out, right? For me, obviously, as an artist, I'm trying to make the best music I can make. And, you know, I fully admit I am very lucky to work with, like, some great people that help me lift what I do. But I am also very lucky to have new retro wave behind me because, obviously, that is the type of exposure that you're aiming for on that road to climbing up to getting to that you really have got to get creative and it doesn't mean you to spend thousands of dollars on shit to make your thing look good you can spend a couple of hundred bucks and 
get creative and just make it a little bit more interesting you know what i mean sometimes i think it's just it's either lack of creativity or laziness it's both it's both because when scandroid was explaining what he was doing i'm like that's a fun idea like if you can't have other people on stage you know project yourself playing the other things it's like it just creates that illusion that more stuff is going on exactly and it's little things like that you can do and they don't cost a lot of money And obviously, yes, there are some lighting setups that are expensive. And then maybe you decide that that's a good investment. You know, when Perturbator first started touring, I mean, his whole thing was they they put money into that expensive lighting rig. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, if you're just a guy at a keyboard, you know, with a fucking hoodie on, his show was still fun to watch because of the lights. Mm. And so he knew, look, he brings out this little Bristol board thing he puts in front of his keyboard, but he's got a fucking wicked lighting setup. And I get that not everyone can afford to do that, but it also gives you something to think about. Like, how can I make this more dynamic if I know full well that I'm just a guy at a laptop, right? Like, you got to do something. Yeah, exactly. And I think because because of the COVID thing, it's just been so inundated with people doing DJ DJ sets and live shows. And that's great, you know. But like you said, if you just go the little bit extra effort, I know it's hard and everyone's busy and there's not, you know, a lot of people aren't working and whatever, you know, so don't have the money. But you're right. Even just having, like, the projector at the back, just something else to look at, you know, because... You know, not everybody can have a four-piece band that play them. You know what I mean? Like it's it's obviously not like that. So with a lot of people, but there's no ingenuity required. It's all been done before. You can literally like find a multitude of other people online and look up live streams and take inspiration from what these people have done. You can look at it and say, "Oh, that simple black table sheet cloth in the background that costs five bucks from Walmart. I can afford that, and I'll put that up in the background, and that will." avoid it looking like I'm in my bedroom you know what I mean it like it you because you know television and all that stuff there is a certain thing of the fourth wall of the illusion and and the moment someone sees your bed and do you know what I mean? A poster of Pamela Anderson in the background it's like <laughs> dude you're in your fucking bedroom. Yeah that's how I feel with my uh Andy's spaceship set. I've been there. I've seen the illusion of that and how how amazing that looks. Damocles did something that was so stupid and goofy, but I remember laughing and it adding to his live set he did is he had audience applause sounds ready to go. (laughs) And I know it sounds so dumb, but when he did it, I was like, you know what? This helps. It's it's funny. Damocles is a goof, right? So like it adds to the whole, his aesthetic, (laughs) but it added so much more than you think it would. And again, it's so simple and stupid. You know, it's like, but it just takes someone to actually do it. Mm, and it was Damocles. Absolutely. And he's the best. So we're going to talk to him now and we're going to hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to listen to uh, another track and then we'll uh, keep talking. Okay. I want to listen to Wake Up. Is that cool with you? Absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's do it. This is uh, Wake Up by Michael Oakley. Crowded space. The voice 
That was Michael Oakley with the track Wake Up. Mm. And I'm here with Michael Oakley and joined also by Mark Merrick. <laughs> and we're just uh, having a good time. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you still, I mean, how? I, I know this is going to be a stupid question, but uh, talking about live shows, I know you haven't done one in a while, but even like um, at Outland in Toronto, you know, I mean, that place was friggin' packed. I mean, I don't know how many people were there, but it must have been at least four, five hundred people or something. You look so natural out there. You didn't look stressed at all. I mean, I would look. I know everyone says that they got stage fright, but man, I would be, I'd be shitting my pants if I was up there doing anything. Yeah. Let alone singing music. And how, how do you? I mean, is this something you got used to over time? You get more comfortable? Is there something that you do that makes 
keeps you less stressed out? I was probably lucky because I, I did I did manage to sleep the night before. I usually <laughs> I usually like try not to think about it till the actual day of the show. Mm. But you know, so long as you do all your rehearsals, you've got nothing to worry about, right? Yeah. But on the day of, I have a few things that I do. I try and avoid talking to people before the show just so I can make sure that I've sing to the best of my ability. But you walk, you're, it's funny because you're walking around with this nervous energy. Yeah. And yeah. I just couldn't like sit down because I was just so buzzing. And then I don't remember really being on stage, but I remember the moment before I walked on stage and, and it was, it was like really cool because like I could hear Stuart McLaren riling everybody up and getting them to chant my name but you're walking around with this nervous energy that you can't do anything about till you walk on stage and, and channel it into performing. Dude, I used to get like that even just with a DJ set, for Christ's sakes, in front of 50 people mm. all day. I would have this nervous energy and I can't relax. I'd actually prefer to have my set early so I get it over and done with. And then, you know what? Then it's just like, man, I'm just going to relax, have a drink, enjoy everything, talk to everybody. But before mm. that, I'm like, yeah, have this nervous, anxious energy. But that's just, I mean, I'm not, I don't even perform, for Christ's sakes. That's just a goddamn DJ set, you know? Dude, Dude, I, I totally sympathize with that, man. Like, one of the things that was actually funny when I did the big, like, five-hour show with all the other hosts, Ray from SynthZone, he made this good point because I think a lot of people confuse, like, that I do this show, that I'm, like, this, like, oh, super social dude who like, you know, has no stress or anxiety or whatever. I'm always talking. and But he's like, no, like, some of the most antisocial people I know are, like, the radio hosts because they just want to hide in a booth. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to hide in a booth behind a microphone, you know, by themselves. That's why whenever people have asked me to do, like, certain live things or, like, oh, you want to come up and, like, announce the thing or do this and that, I'm like, dude, I'll be so terrified and I'll get stage fright even even if you ask me to do something so minor, like if literally if you were about to perform, Michael, and like just said like, hey, Andy, like just just come out and just say like, here comes Michael Oakley. I probably wouldn't sleep the night before. <laughs> I'd probably be so nervous, like just for that one fucking thing. And I'd be afraid that I'd fuck it up or something uh, like the Q&A session that we're doing for my live show. <laughs> but that's that's different. There's not going to be a fucking crowd for that or anything. So no, no, exactly. Any mistakes? You know, I mean, we can obviously roll the tape back and start again. You know, I mean, that's the magic of television. Yes, yes, yes. We'll have to edit out all the offensive things I say. <laughs> that's the other reason why I don't like doing live things is because I have a, an anxiety about saying something wrong and then not being able to change it. Yeah. It's not like my vocabulary is full of like hyper offensive words, but there's always this fear like what if one of them just slips out, you know, and then all yeah. of a sudden I'm fucked and like, you know, because I do have anxiety and that's what anxiety is. It's like this cycle of stupid thoughts in your head and they just keep mm. cycling around. Yeah. Suddenly your homophobia comes out, yeah. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you've been hanging on to for all these years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. it's true, but sometimes I do get this feeling, like, what if I did, even though, like, I don't even say those things in real life and I don't feel them? It's just like, what if in a state of bizarre <laughs> nervousness, you just say a thing and go, like, oh, fuck, like... Why did I just say that? Like, I don't even say those things, you know, like just, <laughs> but that's what anxiety does to you. It's like your imagination goes wild. But then the feeling when you're done, I get very anxious and nervous. And then once I'm actually in the thing, then the nervousness goes away. Like once you become focused and you get into the zone. Well, it's an energy and you start channeling it into what you're doing and you realize you've actually got this laser focus with it. Yeah, it's, it's the buildup. The anxiety is all just nonsense. It's like all the stuff mm-hmm. your imagination makes up to stress you out. And then when you actually start yeah. doing the thing, you realize, oh this is the thing i'm good at this thing yeah exactly and then it goes away but the build-up to it is fucking like giving a speech in school you know you know what else probably helps 
when you got like a big event and you don't eat one of those $30 fucking triple Toronto burgers <laughs> before an event, it probably helps too. Marco bought the <laughs> stupidest burger in the world in fucking Outland. It, it almost <laughs> ruined my couch. night, dude. I couldn't fucking move. I, 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 was, I, got, <laughs> oh, man. I got drunk real early. Anybody that's been at these synthwave events with me knows that I'm like, I like having a lot of shots and, you know, I, I'm real excited to see everybody. Yeah. I'm really am. And, you know, I'll buy rounds of shots, whatever. And then I got really drunk real early. So I, there's a burger joint across the road. All right, let's go have a look. And I don't know why. I thought it was going to be like three sliders or something. But it ended up being this most ridiculous fucking burger you've ever seen. I ate the whole damn thing, though. <laughs> <laughs> there's this period of time where I feel like you just kind of sat down for like an hour or two to just to fucking digest the food. Oh, it was probably for about three hours, Andy. Oh, <laughs> who's, who's the guy in Scarface? Is it fucking Nick the Pig? Yeah. Who just uh, sits at the fucking booth? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of life is this? My best friend is Nick the Pig. <laughs> oh my god! That that night though, I mean that heat. I've oh, never dude. experienced anything like that before. I just, I, I did, you know, there's funny. Like there is little moments that I remember of that night, and one of the night, one of the moments that I remember was we were upstairs in the green room, and I remember that the, the air conditioning was fucking terrible. It was not. It was just not working, and I and I was upstairs right and. Dave Dana was about to go on and she put on her leather jacket and I honestly I said oh my I said good luck good luck out there with that leather jacket <laughs> but you know I got a theory on that though because I swear when we got there we got there early the air conditioner was great it was fucking cool as hell I loved it in there mm. well, when I got that burger I came back and the place was packed like I was just like when I went back in I was like where did all these people come from I mean this is really yeah. and I think it's just the body heat man I mean having that many people no no remember that night was the hottest night. Dude, that was so hot up there. In Toronto. That's true. I think all summer. Remember, because right. if you walked outside, I know oh. people probably get tired of me, because I've talked about this night a lot about <laughs> yeah. land, but it was a great night. But it was so fucking hot. Oh. And I remember one of the people I didn't get to interview was Michael, because we were supposed to, and then we kept missing each other as I was like walking through and I was mm. getting, and then at the end of the night, I was exhausted and I couldn't get any relief mm. because I went outside. And it was worse You'd almost. open the door and it was the exact same yeah. temperature outside the club as it was inside the club. And I, and I didn't know what to do because I would have felt a lot better if I could have just, just walked in a cold room for like five minutes mm. and just went like, ah, but there was no escape that no night. Relief. It was hot everywhere. Dude, I've been in Canada for like two days, right? For my whole life. That was the hottest day. And it day. was just so hot. My memory of Canada is like it's hotter than fucking Australia. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was so bad. It was, though, it was like 40 at night. Like it was like 40 Celsius at nighttime. Like yeah, that day was, was fucking crazy. See, if you watch the video from the new Retrowave Outland video of my show, like right from the start when I come on and you see me playing, I'm like, you can see the sweat all over my face. Like it was just like, that way I was supposed to wear a jacket and I was like fuck that no way man I think Andy got changed like three times or something didn't you I did (laughs) that was stupid though too because they were all like suits (laughs) (laughs) yeah you you just performed in your MTV t-shirt didn't you like wasn't that what you ended up wearing see if I had that MTV t-shirt I would have wore it because it's like a vest I had a white Patrick Nagel t-shirt that I wore oh right okay I'm thinking of the week before with the yeah, if I had that, I would have wore that. I would have definitely, the less clothing, the better. It was just like, <laughs> just so bad. Well, look, uh, I want to listen to another track. This is actually an instrumental track mm. from the album, which I really liked, called Odyssey. Do you mind if we play that? Of course. No, I object. <laughs> <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> anyway, this is, a, this is a track called Odyssey by Michael Oakley. 
All right, and that was Michael Oakley with the track Odyssey from the new album, which, what is the new album called? Odyssey. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, that worked out well. That's the the titular track. And uh, we've been chatting with Michael Oakley today. And Marco has has joined me. Is there is there anything? Because I don't uh, I don't ever tag team an interview. So Marco, is there anything else you want to talk to Michael about? No, I, I think I asked pretty much. I mean, I, I could go on and on for hours. Everybody knows that. But I mean, I asked really the stuff I wanted to ask. So I, I'm pretty good. Well, what about you, uh, Michael? Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? When am I getting my Miami Vice Blu-rays back? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I might have to borrow them off Andy next, mate. I want to catch <laughs> Give it a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm happy to leave them for another year. Well, hopefully I'll be around. And I guess by July, mm-hmm. are you considered a hotspot too where you are? Or are you just far enough away that you're not? Um, I mean, I live in small town area, so it's quite like farmland. So it's actually quite, I would say, a, a relatively safe area. But I mean, define safe. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. just because there's not that many people, I still have to go to the supermarket like everybody else. So well, you and me were in the same place province so um you know we're still on that annoying stay at home order for now i'm trying to think when that ends what another two weeks does it i know i honestly don't even pay attention now i'm just so zoned out to it yeah that every time they're just like oh they extended it i'm like did they like i don't go to the hardware store i don't really shop at any of the stores the only thing that's frustrating right now is they've closed off some aisles and stores that aren't essential oh have they really Uh it just almost feels like the government like in bed with amazon because you can still order everything you want if it's just online but they just don't want you Mm -hmm. crowding the stores but then the irony is like the kids are doing stay at home school and like i want to go to the dollar store and just like oh the 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 section with the pens and the books and stuff is closed off because it's not essential but it's like but they're doing homeschooling like i can't go to the store and buy a fucking piece of paper and a pen like so stupid it's like funny my mother-in-law is the same she just wants to go to the i don't know why she loves that store so much but it's always the fucking dollar tree or the dollar store or whatever the hell it's called (laughs) jesus christ it's not even really that much better as far as prices go because it's like yeah it's two bucks for a thing of duct tape but then the duct tape you get on the roll is like you may you take like two strips and it's done whereas the one you get from the (laughs) hardware store it might be like eight dollars but it's fucking so thick right you just get a ton of duct tape yeah quack quack yeah Actually, I do have a question for Michael, now that I think about it. Okay. Well, with the new album, Odyssey, that just came out, obviously really good, and, and I mean, your sound keeps getting better and better, and your production and your videos, everything. What what do you got in store for the future? I mean, uh, have you working on anything else yet? I have had the desire to want to get back and start being creative again, but whenever I sort of finish a project, I have this, like, immediate moment of, like, oh, yeah, that's a great relief, that's so good, and I'm glad that I, I got this done, but then I I immediately feel, oh fuck, how am I going to do this all over again? <laughs> right. The better it gets, the harder it is to follow it up. So it's, but that's a, you know, it's just, I think that's just like with anything, you're, you realize the scale of the project. And I don't think I quite see how the thing is going to turn out until now when you hear all of the songs together as one body of work. So I, mm. um, I, I don't feel so tied to doing, I guess, like synth wavy retro stuff the way that I maybe felt a little bit like before but then I've been kind of fortunate that I've never like set out to make 
synthwave music, I, I've, I've always tried to make like a Michael Oakley album. Right. Do you know what I mean? Where there's a big difference. There's elements of it, but it's the stuff that I like. And with this new album, there's a couple of 80s elements. There's a lot of 90s elements, but I've done it in a modern way. I think this is probably the most modern sounding version of my sound. So mm-hmm. for me, again, like I just love synthesizers and when we were talking earlier about like the 90s stuff is i know like a lot of the music that i didn't really resonate with was when people kind of stopped using synthesizers like there's a lot Mm. of that that kind of pop rock stuff where there's no synth element yeah and you know that seems to be like a key thing with you is i mean like you like electronic stuff and like even if your sound sort of changes like do you i mean do you honestly envision a time where you put out a fucking flute and fiddle album or will there always be some sort of electronic element to whatever you do no i would say it's definitely all was electronic I think if anything you know some of the ideas that I've been thinking because I I sort of come up with a little bit of a framework with each album the only album that I didn't have I guess a framework was California that album I literally just one day was like you know what I'm going to just make the kind of music that I would buy (laughs) in the shot you know the type of music I love that you don't hear on the radio anymore and it was just for me and I guess I just rolled with that that was very much a sort of DIY approach to making that album but with introspect I had decided to do an album that you know the loose framework was the kind of music I listened to as a kid like Pet Shop Boys obviously is a huge influence on me New Order Depeche Mode Tears for Fears type of stuff and I guess you could call that my synth pop album a little bit because it's, it's sort of very 80s sounding um, and then on this album I wanted it to be a little bit more 90s, but it's a lot more laid back. I would say there's when you listen through that album, with exception of um, of Is There Anybody Out There, it's actually quite a down-tempo album. There's a lot more chilled kind of breakbeat sort of grooves and stuff like Babylon and When Stars Collide. And it's, it's a more dreamy sort of lower tempo sort of album moving forward. I'd quite like to do an, an up-tempo kind of dancey sort of album that's kind of a little bit more like Hadaway, Eurodancey sort of stuff and be a lot more analogue sounding, if you know what I mean. Sure. Because I've really been into those kind of 90s rompler type sounds that I used on this this record. Yeah. So I, I have this idea of making analogue drum sounds um, using those type of things. Uh, you know, a little bit like, like I say, Hadaway, Captain Hollywood Project. But it's very hard to do that sound without taking some of the bad parts of it. So it's about how do you take the elements of those records that are the best elements and and do it in a modern way which translates to now mm-hmm. do you know what i mean that's always been my thing how do you how do we don't do this? the rapping bridge <laughs> <laughs> no why not i like, used to love that shit absolutely not hey that's one of the best ones come on yeah <laughs> I was listening to that song the other day. I'm now I'm like, man, that's some fucking some fucking catchy shit back then. I tell you, nothing's better than fucking Too Unlimited, the one where mm. I think it's No Limits, where one of the lyrics is "Feeling kind of better, put on your sweater." <laughs> is one of my favorites. <laughs> Feeling kind of better, put on your sweater. It's so <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so bad. Actually, yeah. I wonder if I can track down Doctor Alban, get him to do a rap on it or something. Imagine that. With some Ice MC. To me, I think that's why I always preferred the Eurodance stuff because they had less of the the rapper. I mean, I tolerated that stuff. I listened to a lot of dance music, but that was before the rapper. That was the age of the MC. Yes, yes, that's right. I never, I never really keyed into when the dude started. I always liked, you know, if they had like a. Female 
female singer hook and like she did the thing and then whenever the guy would come in it, with some dumb voice and it was always kind of cartoony like it never seemed like an actual cool guy it felt like a guy doing a voice that he thought was cool what about the culture beat dude I, he was good <laughs> wasn't he <laughs> guys <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah that's a good one that is a good one actually you ever heard that, that song captain one. jack no, Captain Jack. Captain Jack. Captain. Hey, oh, Captain Jack. <laughs> Bring me back to the railroad track. Hey, oh, Captain Jack. Hey, oh, Captain Jack. Bring me back to the railroad track. Bring me back to the railroad track. Run into the railroad track. Run along with Captain Jack. Well, look, yeah, we're not talking about Captain Jack, all right? We're talking uh, We're talking here with Michael Oakley. So how about we, we listen to another tune? Uh, you just mentioned earlier uh, the track Babylon. So let's listen to that, and then we will uh, we'll keep talking with, uh, with Michael Oakley and Marco. So here is Babylon by Michael Oakley. Let's 
right, and that was Babylon by Michael Oakley, straight from the Babylon Club. And joining me to uh, to co-interview is Marco Merrick, and uh, we're here with Michael Oakley, who just uh, put out this awesome album. Well, thank you, absolutely. It's uh, it's been a bit a two year adventure getting it written and up to scratch and had a lot of really great collaborators on that that had you know helped me on that ollie ride dana jean phoenix mecca michael brother tiger new division so there's a there's an all-star cast of some wonderful people on there you know that have helped lift me so I'm very 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 proud of it so in true synthwave fashion you're not going to have another album out in two weeks <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get Sorry. me started Sorry. on that. You could cut that one out. You could cut that one out. Jeez. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but isn't it, you know, just on, on that subject, we could be here for hours, but I just, know, isn't sorry. there just something sort of disingenuous about that whole process of, I'm just going to churn out more shit? <laughs> <laughs> Open your mouth, everybody. <laughs> Listen, we, we here at the Beyond Synth Podcast want all the music from everybody. Is that your catchphrase now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's my diplomatic stance. I mean, I know obviously we, we jest, but the first album that I ever bought was in 2013 mm. and it was Miami Nights 84's album. That was the very first album. Yes, but I didn't quite get into the scene until mm. a little bit later with when I discovered Betamax and stuff. And, and then the golden year was obviously 2016 when... You know, you had people like The Midnight and then FM84 and, and all these amazing people, even stuff like Ferret Devin. It was like there was just this golden period of like amazing, really unique music. And it felt genuine. It felt like, man, the craft of the songs mm. are great. These are like real original songs with genuine heart, genuine yes. sincerity. Yeah. And, you know, I've had many conversations about this with people and even John Campbell when we were talking about sort of synthwave music. And it's just like, not everybody's going to the fucking arcade on their cruising in their sports car into the neon highway. It's just like, how are those lyrics that I can relate to? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're, no, you're not. You're not doing that. Like, you really are not doing that. That is, that's not happening. This is just a bullshit pastiche. You've heard someone else do it and you've decided to try and make your own version of it. And it's just, not fucking happening it's like i just feel like if i was to give a genuine parting word on it it's be original sadly there's a lot of music in the scene that sounds literally like just fucking time cop rip-offs rip-offs of the midnight and they don't do anything for anybody except dilute the whole thing that's something that i like i wanted to do this sort of as a joke but then i guess it would be real <laughs> at the same time is just publish a list. Like, I want to do this as a challenge, like a, a synthwave challenge, not a list of artists, but like a list of don't use these words. You know, like if you're about to write a song and the only lyrics you can come up with are about like walking the neon streets, like it's not, and it's not that I don't like those lyrics. It's just that when you become person 1000, yeah. I used to feel this way about Gangnam Style parodies. Remember fucking Gangnam Style? Mm. Yeah. The first few parodies of Gangnam Style on YouTube, right? It's like, it's Gangnam Style, but it's fucking Batman or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> then, since that song has like 400 billion views, there are so many... If you go into YouTube and type in Gangnam Style parody and like any word, you will get one. Mm. And my thing is, when you are person 40,000 
who is publishing a Gangnam Style parody to YouTube, shouldn't you just automatically feel like an asshole? <laughs> like, go like, really? Like, I'm the 40,000th person to do this funny joke, and it sucks. Yeah. That's why certain songs, to me, stand out when I can tell that the artist is actually, like, you know, writing some poetry or some personal stuff. It's not like the words have to be, just because it's synthwave, the words have to be all about, uh, like you say, like arcades or the fucking The Rain or... Even though I will acknowledge that some of my favorite songs have these things in them, once your person 10,000, do something else. You, you, you have to. Yeah, you're basically riding off of the coattails of someone else's idea, and it's not your original idea. I know it's very hard these days to kind of come up with something original, but you, you can think of all the songs that you've heard, but then when you hear a song like Running in the Night, you, like there's something in the sincerity of those lyrics in that song that, that make you feel that certain way. That is, that is a, an example of great writing in the scene. You know, Ollie, for me, is probably the best songwriter in the scene. I just think he writes great songs. Yeah. Not just catchy hooks. He writes really great lyrics, and it's no surprise. Running in the night is like FM 84's best song because it's a relatable song about you know someone that used to love you that you're no longer with, and and for whatever reason you're reminiscing. We've we have all been there. We've all been in that situation. It's a very relatable scenario, and it's that whole thing, that lyric, and running in the night with you. It's like you, you wish you could still be with that person. That's a relatable concept. Mm. What is relatable about, yeah, man, I'm driving in my Countach at night and going to the arcade, and it's just like, <laughs> look, man, no, no arcade. No arcade's open at midnight, you fucking fud. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck off. Also, too, there is something to be said for poetic language as well, because sometimes some people write songs that are a little too on the nose. And so, like, I've received a few songs now, and I'm assuming I'm going to be receiving a lot more over the next few years. Lyrics about lockdown that are, like, oh, a little too... Yeah. Like on the, you know, like just not like metaphors involved, like, you know, like just songs called like the lockdown and lockdown and the year stood still, you know, like just things like this. <laughs> Again, I guess I'm just talking about actual writing talent at this point. Wake up off of my album is a lockdown song. Yeah, but how am I supposed to know that if there's no lyrics like uh, the government won't let me out? They put a mask on my heart. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Because I think that there's no hope in that. I can only speak for myself and the type of music I like, but I like sad music that l the lyrics are sort of reflecting but hopeful. If there's not that hope in the in the lyrics, then there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I'm surprised there hasn't been a band called COVID-1986 or something, you know? <laughs> COVID-1984. <laughs> Dude, that's a funny idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly shocked I haven't seen it. You know, I really. That's thought. a funny idea. Maybe it's just because it fucks up the algorithm. Like if you go to search for it, like they won't direct you. <laughs> no, but it's true. But I mean, it's just like that. That's the thing which has irritated me more and more. Is you know when when I got into the scene, there was just this endless like every week there was great new music coming out. There was always something on new retrowave that you're like, oh my god, there's a new rock. Robert Parker track that Sweet Nothings what a great track you know you're just listening to all these things Le Cassette Digital Power oh my god wow this is just you, you know you were really for me as a musician to hear that type of music 
was incredibly inspiring and I'm just not inspired anymore by anything that I'm hearing it just feels like watered down versions of 2016 yeah in fact I would maybe go as far as to say I don't really think there's been many significant releases since 2016 that was the golden year wasn't it yeah I mean I'm kind of the same I, I feel like in the earlier days I would I would literally finish work and I would rush to get on my computer to hear what's new today on your retrowave on SoundCloud and all that yeah. and I'm not like that anymore and, and don't get me wrong I'm still very passionate about the music and the scene and everything and, and there's music all the time that I hear that I, I really am passionate about but I, I don't know what it is I guess there's just so many copycats and sometimes it's it's hard work to wade through all the crap to get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah. There was an exciting time where you had to do discovery, and there is something special about discovering things. Absolutely, 100%. And in the early days of the scene, when there was only like 200 people in the Synthetics Facebook group, Mm You know, anytime a new artist came along, it was like a discovery or like I would have to be searching all the time for Synthwave. Obviously, it's very different for me now because people just send me stuff. Yeah. So it does change the dynamic where now, you know, I basically have to like fast forward through tracks people send me to get the basic gist of like, do I like this? And will I sit down and listen to the whole thing? And, And it's not the same as when there was less music and like Perturbator puts out an album. And I can sit there and literally just have time to just listen to the whole thing. Whereas now I I don't even have that time because I just have so much to listen to. So I would say there is still a lot of gems. There's a lot of great music, but it's not so much about discovery anymore. It's about filtering. Uh It's basically Mm. just like there's a fucking wave of shit flying at you and there's good stuff in there. But it's like you have to work to find it. If I was to give one piece of advice to any new artists or aspiring artists is that this situation we're talking about where there's all of these copycats and there's the same sounding dum 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 like the same beats, the same bass lines, the same sounds, the same lyrics, the same everything, right? Think about that for a moment. In a world where there's that kind of noise, if you do something original and it's really, really good, that extra mile, you'll stand out. I mean, if you think about it, if you do something that's just your own identity, something original, and you come out, it's going to stand out. People are going to notice the quality. Quality always stands out, always. Hmm. You think about what road is going to give you the best chance of getting somewhere with your music. Is it going to be being original? Like, I just don't think following trends ever does anything for anybody because by the time you follow the trend, the trend is on its way out. Yes. It's already at the crest of its popularity. We can use The Midnight as an example. You know, The Midnight's first couple of albums are undoubtedly their best work. I I don't think anyone would dispute that. The first two albums that they did, Days of Thunder, Endless Summer, are milestone records. And then after that, you can see that they changed their sound. And at that point, though, because there was all these copy cats that were ripping the days of thunder endless summer sound i think that probably hurt them because of all of that copycat stuff it diluted the whole thing so that when they came out with slightly more poppier stuff it's not been as well received but then 
<laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's a few select people in the scene that are very quick to try and tell you what Synthwave is and what Synthwave isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I had someone recently in a comment say about, um, is there anybody out there? Because I mentioned the lyric, it was the 90s. Mm. No, that's not Synthwave. Um, you know, the synth, Synthwave stops at 1989. Oh, fuck, no, it's 80s enough. That's not 80s enough. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not 80s <laughs> enough. And I just, I, it, was, it was one of the few times that I actually because I, I usually never rise to it right but I, I, it was one of those moments where I, I just I had to respond I was just like no offence but fuck you no offence but fuck you yeah <laughs> <laughs> with, with the greatest of respect to you it, it's the musicians and the, the artists and people creating in the scene that will determine what synthwave is not fucking you mm. you know what I mean <laughs> it's, it's like we're the ones making the music we're the ones being creative if we want to pull some stuff from the 90s or other places to make it more interesting for you by the way mm. so you're not hearing the same shit over and over again also that person is wrong absolutely because from the very beginning when synthwave you know even before when it was more like outrun like the genre of outrun it was very heavily like video game inspired electronic music with yeah. elements of fucking trance of like like mm-hmm. there's so much and then of course it was almost like it was more just 80s sounding samples but 90s sort of songwriting, you know, like techno and trance yeah. and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like so an analog bass line or something, and then the rest was, yeah. yeah, that's all, yeah. To me, when people make rules like that, I can't relate. Again, why I was so passionate when I found Synthwave is because it, it transported me, and it's a feeling, mm. and music is about a feeling, and like, as I say, that's why I have a hard time even cataloging my music in iTunes, like trying to figure out where I put songs, because to me, it's more about writing down moods. Uh-huh. And so when people have these stupid rules where it's like, well, it's only Synthwave if you have like this sound bit bass line and this drum and this and this and this, I'm like, then what the fuck? Like, I, I don't even understand. Do you even enjoy music? Like, what are you, is this a math problem to you? Like, <laughs> when people make a certain sound that transports you or that gives you that nostalgic feeling, to me, that is Synthwave. It's like just that, that weird, you feel nostalgic even though what you're listening to not all the elements line up to go like this transports me exactly to 1985 or whatever but for some reason this modern production value music makes me feel nostalgic Mm. in a way that can't really be explained in words and so when people come up with these arbitrary rules to me I don't even think they enjoy music on the same level that I do yeah it's definitely been a sort of issue of frustration for me because I feel like there's a lot of great musicians in the scene who have probably changed direction because of that and they haven't done the road less travelled in their music because they felt like they couldn't Mm, I've spoken to quite a few people that have said that they've said you know I just I don't feel like I can stray too far from that sound and I'm just like you know like as I said to you earlier I'm not making a synthwave album I'm making a Michael Oakley album It's, it's, it's what I feel like at the time and you know hell mend me if it doesn't pan out but at the end of the day it's you'd rather be making authentically something that's you than pandering to someone else's demands how does that work for any creative type yeah yeah no i totally agree with all this i mean but look listen that was way too much talking without any tunes all right so let's uh, listen to real life by michael oakley and then wrap this up because this has been a, a long chat so uh here is michael oakley with the track real life
played, and that was Real Life by Michael Oakley. And of course, we're here right now. We've been chatting with Michael Oakley, and Marco uh, has been uh, joining us for the whole the whole thing, and it's been fun. And we were uh, we were just talking about originality and songwriting, and trying to be as authentic as possible. And and I just got to say, because you know, it might sound like we're being. Um, like not over positive you know about the scene but there is still great music out there and i love receiving it you know like it's it's really exciting when i open up an email and someone sends me a gem and and most often than not those artists are nice and and humble but you know but then of course i get sent some shit and uh, ironically those people always turn out to be the most bitter yeah like the ones who like write me like multiple emails like you haven't played the track yet how come you haven't played my track yet or whatever why won't anyone listen to my music (laughs) yeah yeah that's the one to always write these fucking sad sap posts yeah on on social media you know just like fucking uh, hey man I released this thing and no one listened or whatever nobody's listening to my music and it's like well what are I you mean, guys really my friends? Who's my friends? Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. It, but, you know, it's funny, but, you know, a lot of these, I mean, what we're talking about here is attention seeking. And I think that, sadly, there's an element to that sort of, we'll call it the synthwave sound that's a very low bar entry for a producer. It's, it's, it's a fucking easy sound to make. It's so easy. Especially with modern technology and everything, of course. Oh, especially with modern technology. Yeah. But I just, you know, you know, the band Oasis. For every Oasis, there's a cast and a super grass, but nobody really remembers those guys, and it's the same within any kind of thing. No one, no one remembers second place and third place. You only remember the person who successfully charted their own flag in the sand for whatever they're doing, and within the scene those people are the midnight. They've done it. You cannot do that sound anymore because they got there first, they did it. Anything that you do that sounds like that will just be a midnight rip-off. Same with Time Cop, mm. same with Gunship, same with FM84, same with Miami Nights 84. I always feel like uh, I like to mention um, Michael Glover because like his sound was massively influential at that time. Dude, I mean, that he, album. What an album. And that sound became, that was probably the first sound that got heavily ripped by people in the scene. Yeah. I think, honestly, the reason why there has never been any new Miami Nights 1984 is because of that. Because his was the sound that became the synthwave template. That's the outrun template for me. Yeah, he, he can't do that anymore. Yeah. You can't, because he, see, he that's why he, he hasn't, I think he hasn't brought out Alan, because ask him yourself, he's like... No, that's exactly you know, why, because what do you do? Everybody's everybody's copied what I've just done. He can't put out an album that sounds like him. Yeah, it's like, I can't do the same thing now. Yeah, he can't put out an album that sounds like the old stuff. Nah. He can't put out an album that sounds like new stuff. Yeah, it's fucked. And I know he's been stuck in that sort of yeah. loop. Like, I, I, I feel like he's had, like, an album ready for, like, such a long time. Oh, and, like, ages, it's just yes. never going to come out. It's like 2015. And the problem is if he decides to release the album under a different name in order to sort of separate, then he loses the brand awareness of mm. it being under that name of a successful artist. It's a total catch-22. But I still think Michael's best uh, plan of attack would be just do the authentic album. Even if people... People hate it. That's okay because at least you're you're drawing a line over that old sound, and you, you're letting people know I'm not there anymore. You guys can enjoy the old albums, but this is where I'm at musically as a musician right now. This is where I'm at, and if you're not with me, that's okay. It's so I mean, it's just there's people who like my first album that didn't like Introspect. And then there's people who probably will like introspect that will hear my new album and maybe go, nah, I don't really, I'm not really into that. And you just, you accept that. I mean, you don't take 
fans on every album you want to yeah you can't please everybody I mean, yeah you can't please everybody some people yeah. get off at, at a certain stop yeah do you know what i mean they, they, you don't take them with you but then you take on new fans because you're you know you, you're exposed to a, a different audience each time but it's funny that it's just you know all of those people have made their name they've charted their line in the sand they've put their sorry their flag in the sand of this is me this is my sound that's what you should be aiming for in anything you're doing. As a musician, that's what you should be aiming for. You should be trying to find your identity and your music and putting your flag in the sand and then people will be trying to copy you. That's that's what you're looking for. <laughs> and that's the end of my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that's a perfect way to wrap this up. All right, so people should go check out the new Michael Oakley album, Odyssey, out now on uh, on new retro wave yeah the album's out on the 14th um if this comes out after the album comes out then it came out three days ago <laughs> <laughs> but yeah people should go get it it's good stuff if you like what you you heard here it's always a good time yeah congratulations on the new album michael it's it's really good your stuff's always been of the highest quality but this thank you this album's definitely your best work yet i think it's really good you really knocked it out of the park so I know everyone's going to love it, and congratulations. And um, and thanks for having me on the show. This has been great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't been on an earlier one, actually. It's uh, been something I've actually been tra- I've been saying to Andy before. <laughs> let's let's get the three of us on. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just, and hey, we, we had some pretty good chat, didn't we? We'd... I think so. But listen, it's always fun to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to uh, see you in the summer. Indeed. All right, well, thank you, gents, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, cunts. We'll see you later. All right, we did it. <laughs> Woo! All right. All right, and that was my conversation with Michael Oakley and Marco. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Gene Creamer, Private Eye, Hampus ML, Prophet of Jupiter, Mads Baron Christensen, Skywolf, Retro Serenade, and we will never forget the immortal Chris Elia Lane. And I hope you all have a lovely week, and I hope you had fun uh, listening to that chat. I know I had a good time. Marco, did you have a good time? I had a great time, actually. Not just a good time, but a great time. I love chatting with you guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I had a good time. I don't know. That's something we, uh, we might do again sometime. Mm. The tag team interview style is kind of fun because it's not quite like doing a family show. It's like you kind of jump in and like I found it was a nice way to get my bearings during the conversation. Mm-hmm. So like if you asked a question, I would sort of like sit back and think and actually like listen to what was going on. Mm-hmm. It's nice and I can yeah. sort of like jump back in and I, I like yeah, that. You learned a couple of things too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You call that a question? This is a question. (laughs) I'm glad you got a good sense of humor, mate. (laughs) That's all I can say. This shit doesn't work if you don't have a good sense of humor. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I think uh, it's a it's a fun way of sort of breathing new life into like having returning guests. So it's uh, who knows? Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, if you do, I'd love to. That sounds cool. You uh, you have a lovely week, and I guess uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you on the next uh, family show. We'll do. All right, thanks, Andy. Thanks, everyone. All right, take care, dude, and everybody else out there listening. Tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Thanks for
Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.